welcome to Season 8, Episode 11 of Strategy Simplified. Today, we're excited to share with you an interviewee-led Bain-style case interview. In the session, you'll learn how an MVB-level case interview is run, including how a top candidate who recently accepted a BCG offer builds and communicates a framework, works through mental math, and drives to a strong final recommendation, and how a former Bain consultant leads a case interview and provides feedback and assesses a candidate. Make sure to grab a pencil and paper to follow along with our candidate today. Before we jump into the case, let's take a quick second to listen to this message from our sponsor. Palmtree is one of the world's top consulting and advisory firms focused exclusively on the world of M&A and private equity. Palmtree supports clients through the entire private equity investment lifecycle, from financial due diligence to finance transitions to long-term business transformations and transactions. The firm's model is a hybrid of investment banking, consulting, and accounting. Sound like the perfect fit for you? The firm is hiring now for all experience levels across its offices in Los Angeles, Chicago, Detroit, and Dallas for its three service lines, financial due diligence, consulting, and investment banking. If you're looking to develop a unique skill set, receive world-class training, and work for a dynamic firm, apply today. Explore open roles at the link in this episode's show notes, or go to the careers page at palmtreellc.com. Just to give a brief introduction about myself, so I'm from India. Right out of undergrad, I worked with Bain India for a couple of years, uh, about two, two and a half years. My first year was spent doing some generalist cases across industries, uh, be it retail, be it tech. Uh, my second year was spent mostly in the financial services space, uh, where I delved deeper into it. And those were cases, not just in India, but across uh, the globe as well. We were working, working with partners and bringing their expertise in as well. Post that, I moved into my family business, which is in the financial services and hence the interest within financial services. Uh, we have an NBFC, which is like a specialty finance firm uh, in India. I started the digital lending side for it and, you know, it's growing fortunately right now. Post that, I decided I think the MBA might be a good good spot to go to and good decision to go to. Hence, I'm at Cornell right now. And while I'm here, I thought doing a couple of years back at consulting and then heading back to India might make a little bit more sense. And throughout this process, was fortunate enough to get an offer from BCG, interned with them over the summer in their SF office and now heading back there in 2023. So that's uh, that's my story. Uh, Taylor, would you just mind, uh, you know, giving a brief introduction and also also telling us and the audience at large, what, what was your strategy while tackling these cases, right? given you recently received a BCG offer? Yeah, of course. Nice to meet you, Pranav. Uh, I'm Taylor Robertson. Uh, I'm a senior at the College of William and Mary, uh, majoring in finance, uh, so a non-target school, but um, just recently accepted an offer to join uh, Boston Consulting Group in Washington, D.C. next year. Um, when it comes to like my background a little bit, um, I had my first internship this past summer at a small uh, financial software consulting firm called SCNH. Um, so this was my first summer actually doing cases though, and you know preparing for strategy consulting um, interviews. So I think I found out about uh, you know MBB late June. I actually didn't know what uh, BCG or Bain were <laughs> in early June um, of this year, and did all of my uh, you know prep in the space of a month. So. 
I did 25 live practice cases with other students at my college, like about half of them and half of them with professional consultants to prepare for my final round at BCG. So going into that, I had about 25 practice runs. Um, since then, I've done about like five other cases, just like, you know, my actual interviews with BCG. I had interviews with EY Parthenon and gotten offered there as well. And then, um, so this will, this will be case number 30 for me. So if you all are like, you know, measuring where you're at in your progress, just know that's where, uh, I've, been to get me to this. And, you know, we all have different starting points and different, uh, you know, ways of getting there. My big things with, uh, you know, cases are, you know, looking at it very analytically. What are the decisions that I'm going to have to make to push the case forward? I think there's four big things to understand there, which is one, your clarifying questions. They really give you the information in the beginning that you need to push forward. Um, secondly, uh, the types of questions you're going to get later, you're going to get qualitative questions and quantitative questions. Um, and so the ways that you approach those are going to be a little bit different and to really, um, you know, address them well, you got to be able to recognize those and what kind of question you're being asked. And then finally, just that recommendation and being able to bring in uh, everything that's been told to you so far throughout the case um, and really, you know, bring the critical information there to, you know, really seal the deal at the end of the time. You know, frameworks are important, but I always come in with a customized one, um, you know, right then and there when I hear the prompt. I don't, you know, bring in any sort of like uh, framework that's been laid out. All those were helpful to study at the very beginning. And I found management consulting's, uh, management consultants, YouTube videos, really good preparation for me. Um, but so happy to be here today to do a case with you, Pranav. Perfect. Thank you for that. I think that's, that's really good insight. I think personally for me as well, I did about uh, 40 odd cases by the end of it. That, in, that includes my interviews, my practitioner cases, etc. And I was about the 30, 32 case mark before heading into my uh, first interview. So I think, like you said, this gives a good benchmark for everyone as to what the time uh, timeline is and how, you know, what a prep, what preparation might look like. So I do have a case uh, ready for you. Uh, how I like to run these is we can run through the case and I'll be taking notes in the middle. So don't mind me if I'm looking down, you know, while uh, which I think that's me taking notes. And at the end of it, just run from the top and see the, the areas that we can improve on. Uh, and, you know, and then have a path forward. Does that sound okay to you? Sounds great, Pranav. Looking forward to it. Perfect. So let me know when you're ready and I can start with the prompt. I'm ready. Perfect. So our client is a private equity firm that is considering buying the Philadelphia Phillies. The current team owners approached our client about purchasing the team for $1.1 billion. That's billion with a B. The private equity firm has engaged... Uh, our consulting firm in a due diligence process and wants uh, to understand whether they should make this investment or no. Sounds great. Um, so just to clarify, you know, we're working for a PE firm who's been approached to buy the Philly Phillies um, for $1.1 billion by the current team owners. Uh, our clients looking to us to do a due diligence and advise them on whether they should make the investment or not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, just a couple clarifying questions for you. I'm curious if we have, you know, any benchmark for a rate of return um, or profitability that we're looking out of acquiring them if we did choose to do it. Uh, not, not as of now. So the motivation behind purchasing this is that the private equities managing director is a is an extremely avid Phillies fan. Uh, so that's that's the motivation behind it. But obviously, having said that, they don't want it to be a loss making investment. Exactly, exactly. Um, I'm also curious if we know about any maybe recent sales or, you know, any of our, um, any of the other minor league baseball teams that have been bought or sold recently, just to kind of get an idea of value. We do not. We do not. Okay. Um, 
And I'm also curious, do we see this being a potential strategic buy for us? Would it fit into our PE forms portfolio? Like, or do we have any synergies that we would realize with any of our other assets? Or would this purely be something that we keep, you know, hands off of most likely and just seek to find a return on through selling it later? No, we do have a few op- our firm in general op- specializes in operational efficiencies. And so we do have a little bit of those. All right. Um, operational efficiency is good to know. Um, and just, you know, I asked about a rate of return, but there any, are there any other metrics of success that I could be uh, looking at to, in terms of whether or not we should make the purchase or not? Nothing as of now. It's just like it should be profitable. It shouldn't be a loss-making venture. That's, that's the only thing. Sounds good. If you'll just give me a minute to organize my thoughts then. Perfect. We'll be right back after this quick message. Maximize your chances of landing a top 10 consulting offer by joining Black Belt, Management Consultants' premium case prep program. In Black Belt, you receive one-on-one mentorship and prep support from a former McKinsey, Bain, or BCG consultant like the one you're hearing from today. Your coach will develop a personalized plan for you and guide you through drill-based coaching sessions. Black Belt also includes expert resume and cover letter edits because case prep is only so good if you don't get the interview. 80% of Black Belt's land offers, which is why it's the world's most effective consulting prep program. If you're ready to quit wasting time in your prep process, join today. Learn more and register at the link in this episode's show notes. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay. Uh, so in order to you know approach giving a recommendation to the PE firm we're working with on whether or not they should buy the Fighting Phillies, I've wanted to look at uh, three main uh, things. First being profitability of the team if we were to acquire. Secondly, the market right now for minor league baseball. And then lastly, the third thing, the operational efficiencies that we could contribute if we purchase the team. So going a little bit more in depth to the profitability of the acquisition of the Fighting Phillies, you know, I mainly want to look at our costs and our revenues. The costs, you know, you've already quoted a $1.1 billion upfront cost that we've been approached with uh, by the current team owners. But I'm also interested in learning about those annual costs that would be associated, you know, a uh, fixed, like maybe like stadium rental, but also variable like, you know, food that we sell at games or, you know, also looking at the salaries that we pay players um, and really trying to get a sense of those annualized costs that we would have every year as well. And when it comes to revenues, I'm really interested in looking at, you know, all the different forms of revenues we could see, like tickets, merchandise, sponsorships, um, you know, advertisements on, uh, you know, in our stadium, you know, selling the licensing to TV, um, you know, food and drink within the stadium, all of those different forms of revenue. Um Next, looking at the market for minor league baseball right now, I'm really interested in uh, seeing if this is an attractive market in terms of how many you know fans we have coming to the stadium, trends affecting this. What has it been like in Philadelphia in the past few years? Where do we possibly see this going? And also in other markets, do we see minor league baseball teams uh, being successful um, or increasing their fan base? Like, uh, what do we see our competitors doing? Um, lastly, this operational efficiencies. So you mentioned that the PE firm that we work with uh, specializes in this. So I'm interested in seeing uh, what sort of resources we have to maybe cut down on labor. You know, being really efficient with sourcing. You know, merchandise, food. You know, getting great deals on that. Um, Also managerial, you know, are we going to, you know, seek to improve the team and their performance in the minor league baseball, like league. And then lastly, like PR, you know, do we have, you know, relationships right now that, you know, we could take over, you know, handling 
you know, the PR of the players and, you know, of the team, do we have the ability to really like blow that up and really, you know, gain fans, gain profit, you know, out of this, I'm really most interested in looking at uh, most likely our costs and revenues first and really interested to see what kind of revenues they have in order to see whether this $1.1 billion acquisition cost makes sense in the beginning. That makes complete sense. I think we do have some data for you. Uh, so excited to get into this. So I'll be just giving you the, the revenue data. We have both the revenue and the costs. Let's start with the revenue piece. I'll be shooting a bunch of numbers at you. Uh, I think you did a great job of breaking down the different types of uh, revenue streams that we have. So we have five revenue streams, ticket sales, concessions, merchandise, media rights, as well as sponsorships. So for ticket sales, uh, we have a stadium of 50,000. 50,000, okay. 50,000, of which 90% are standard seats and 10% are premium seats. Our standard seat fill rate is 55.56 and standard seat price is 25. Our premium seat fill rate is 75% and our premium seat price is 100 bucks and we have 80 games in a season. So that's for ticket sales. For concessions, we sell about half a million in per game, uh, both friends, half a million uh, in concessions, again, 80 home games. In merchandise, we sell a million units per year at $50 per item, but we only earn 20% in royalty from this. From media rights, we get about 120 million, and from sponsorships, we get another 50 million. All right, just to clarify, um, media rights you said were 120 million? Yes. Okay, and then one other clarify, the seat fill rate for the standard seats, did you say that was 55%? 55.56. fill rate. Okay, perfect. So lots of information here, just to kind of bundle right off the bat, you know, media and sponsorship for a year, I can go ahead and call that 170 million. Uh, and, you know, I also have that concession of $500,000 per game with 80 home games in a season, that's going to be 40 million in contributions from concessions. So looking at 210 million for sponsorship, media and concessions right off the bat. Um, and now we can deal with our little bit more tricky items of merchandise and tickets. Um, going into merchandise first, we sell 1 million units in a year. Um, at $50 per item, but we only get a 20% uh, of that $50 uh, item. So we're only getting $10 per item. Uh, with 1 million units in a year, we're looking at $10 million um, contributed from merchandise. So we're looking at $220 million uh, in a year, uh, except for tickets. So now looking a little bit more in depth at tickets, we've got two types, our, our standard seats and our premium seats. So our standard seats, we have 90,000 of. So we have um, 45,000 standard seats. Out of the 50,000 seats, 90% of them are standard. And then we have 5,000 premium seats in the stadium. So looking at the fill rate for those premium seats, it's 75%. So that is going to be... That's going to be... 3,750 um, seats that are filled in an average game. Um, and those all sell for $100, each of those seats. So we're looking at uh, $375,000 
uh, per game from our premium seats. And now I'm going to take a look at our standard seats. So out of our 45,000 seats that are filled um, standard, we have a, or sorry, the, out of the nine, 45,000 seats that exist that are standard, we have a 55.56 um, fill rate, which to me, I'm trying to think of if I've got a fraction that is really close to that, you know, that's right above half, um, but definitely less than, um, you know, two-thirds, definitely less than three-fifths even. So I'm looking at something in between one-half to three-fifths. So that's, you know, yeah, I think in I think between five-tenths and six-tenths. Yeah, uh, let's, let's go with five-ninths on that. Five-ninths? Okay, that sounds yeah. great. So in the case of five-ninths uh, of the seats being filled, um, that is just going to be 25,000 seats that are filled. Um, and with each of those seats at a $25 uh, cost, we're looking at, let me take a look here. Six hundred and twenty-five. Let me check on that. No, that's going to be so. We've got twenty-five thousand seats filled. Twenty-five dollars per. It's going to be six hundred twenty-five thousand uh, dollars per game, and that's from the standard seats. So now I can multiply by that 80 home games per year. I'm going to go ahead and add together my premium seat figure and my standard seat figure. Um, and that is going to be 1 million in uh, seat or ticket sales per game. Um, with 80 games, that's going to be $80 million uh, from tickets. So adding that to my 220 million in a year from all the other four um, types of revenue, we're looking at total of $300 million in revenue per year. Yeah, that number sounds uh, that number sounds great to me. Awesome. On the cost on the cost side, we have player salaries that are 110 million. Sorry, one second. We're going straight into cost. Sounds good. Yeah. I just want to say at $300 million per year, it's definitely going to depend on the cost, whether this is a good you know, investment or not, and also how many years we're willing to wait to get a return on it. But now I'm ready to go into cost. Sorry. Perfect. So player salaries, which are 110 million, front office costs that are 20 million, sales and advertising, which is 50 million, and stadium facility costs that are 20 million. Okay. You said that was the last one was 20 million for the stadium? Yeah. Perfect. So with salaries of 110, front office costs of 20, SNA or selling administrative 50, and stadium of 20, that is going to be uh, $200 million in costs uh, annually. And we have a revenue of 300 million. So we're looking at an overall total uh, you know, annual profit of $100 million. So, you know, taking into account that, you know, to, you know, upfront cost to purchase the team of 1.1 billion, you know, it would take us 11 years um, at the current profitability to pay off, um, you know, and, and make this make a be a sensible investment. So I'm interested to see if there's possible ways that we could uh, either increase revenues or, you know, definitely decrease costs because we have a specialization in operational efficiencies um, to really get this year figure down. You know, the PE business is not in the business of waiting 11 years to see a return. Um, yeah, I, I think we agree with you on that. Uh, would you mind valuing the firm for me at this stage? Like, we know what their bid is. 
or what the profit is do, can we is it a is it any way that you can think of that we can value Philadelphia Phillies right now sure do you have any possible multiples for other uh, minor league baseball firms um that yeah, could be one way yeah we usually use a 10x multiple a 10x multiple okay yeah, on profit on profit in that case then the current valuation uh would be just 1 billion dollars um you know which is 100 million short of that 1.1 billion figure that uh you know the Phillies current owners are looking for yeah uh, what do you think could be think could be some of the ways in which we can improve this valuation of course so looking at our specialization and operational efficiencies i'm really interested in looking at these costs uh when it comes from front office um sna you know our selling administrative expenses are 50 million and outside of salaries that's our biggest line item um i'd be interested to see if we can you know cut down on the number of uh you know people we have working and selling administrative or also um you know just combining it with our other you know current portfolio um and the, you know the current employees we have maybe in some of our other portfolio companies see if we get that down i'd also be interested in seeing about salaries um you know are we paying what other teams are paying you know are we paying more or less you know are we overpaying possibly our players and seeing if we could cut down there um and then when it comes to the stadium as well you know we might be able to negotiate better than the current team has on that uh, annual rate of 20 million dollars i'm also interested in looking at increasing um you know our revenues so i'd be interested in looking at can we get these seats filled more can we make more premium seats um it seems like our premium seats are filled more uh, at 75% as opposed to 55% so i'd be interested in converting some of those standard seats to premium seats uh, and be interested in talking to the stadium about that maybe we can split costs on um them installing that and ultimately it you know paying off for us in the long run on uh you know the amount of revenues we see out of those seats i'd also be interested in looking at our concessions pricing it seems like $500,000 per game um you know is quite a bit for you know the amount of seats that are filled which is about 28,000 um or you know right around there it's 28750 in a game so someone is spending you know quite a bit of money just on concessions are they willing to pay more and are there ways that we can get that royalty up higher on the merchandise as well i think i think those are all great suggestions so our analyst did some analysis and we have something for you to you know for your look all right. Okay, so I'm taking a look right now at synergy analysis, which was, you know, pretty in line with operational efficiencies that um, you know, as a part of my framework, I'm looking at potential boost to total revenues and team cost comparison. My eye is immediately drawn towards the team cost comparison where it looks like we're quite similar to the league benchmark and the only area where we have a much variance at all are those sales and advertising. So I was right in saying there's probably some operational efficiencies we can, you know, seep out of here and decrease that $50 million um, SNA cost. Um, and then, you know, taking a, a bigger look at this potential boost to revenues, this is where we could really see some good growth here. Um, revamp concession offerings is just a 1% uh, total boost, which is something I mentioned, but it seems like dynamic ticket pricing. Um, you know, is going to have the largest contribution with renegotiating our local media deal. So, you know, our ticket tickets of 80 million. That's what we have currently as, um, you know, a, a big line item for us, but also that media deal of 120 million is actually bigger. So we make more money off of our media deal than we do off our tickets. So, you know, a 3% increase on our media deal seems to me very, 
lucrative, I'd like to you know go ahead and calculate this potential total boost revenues if we did all four of these changes. Does that sound good? Uh, that sounds okay. But just just to call out that this would these numbers are to total revenue. So right. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And not just that particular line item. So in that case, the dynamic ticket pricing is actually going to be uh, you know the biggest contributor to you know increasing our revenues. Um, and so that's not changing the, you know, the layout of the stadium. That's just, you know, having seats fill at different prices, depending on whether someone buys two weeks before or buys with a group or buys day of hour before comes midway through a game, you know, offering, you know, a really range of prices where, you know, someone could be paying $5 more than the person sitting next to them. Um, so yeah, so, so to take this, you know, figure of $300 million in revenue that we have currently and add a 4% dynamic ticket pricing increase if we were to institute this. That's going to be an extra $12 million, um, in revenue from dynamic ticket pricing. From renegotiating the local media deal, we're going to see a 3% increase, so that's going to be a $9 million uh, increase in revenue. Uh, from attracting higher value sponsors, right now we have a sponsor deal of $50 million, um, but our total revenue is at $300 million, and we're doing a 2% increase. That's going to be a $6 million uh, increase in revenue. And then when it comes to revamping our concession offerings, that looks to me like a uh, 1%, which is interesting. This graph, you know, is doubled up. Um, so I, I am kind of curious. We go to the top line of each of them. So I assume that um, am I talking about four and a half percent or am I talking about 4%? Uh, take it to be 4%. That's Perfect. Fine. Okay. Sounds good. So then these revamped concession offerings at 1%, um, that's just going to be an extra $3 million in revenue. Uh, so altogether, this will be... Um, $30 million in extra revenue. So that's an in, a 10% increase in total revenue um, from the previous year. And then we'll have a profit margin of $130 million. But I'm interested in seeing if we can decrease our sales and advertising costs to the league benchmark or even possibly below it. Because I'm going to assume that not every team in the league is owned by a PE firm as great as our client. Um, and so they're not going to have access to the operational efficiencies we have. Kind of taking a look at that graph there, it seems like it goes from about 125 to maybe 180. So for a 180, yeah, 175, that would be the 50 million for us. For them, it looks like it's maybe like $10 million less. Um, so they yeah. probably have SNA of 40 million. I'd be interested in seeing if we could get it down to 30. Um, does that sound reasonable? Or should no, go for let's, 40? Let, let's stick to the league benchmark for now. Sounds great. So then we're going to have a decrease in SNA, sales and advertising administrative of you know ten million dollars so that's going to get us to an increased profit margin of 140 uh, 140 million dollars annually um yeah so taking a look at that you know that's a 40 percent increase on our profit before um okay what does that bring our new value to so that form. would bring our new valuation uh, at a 10 times multiple to $1.4 billion, um, you know, which is higher than the 1.1 offer price by the current team owners. But I am really interested in looking at our metric as a PE firm on the years required for return, because for me, this also seems like it's still going to be likely over um, five years to, to make a return. Yeah, I, th I think it's a great call out and then something we can look into as we delve deeper into these due diligence. But as of now, the CEO of the private equity firm is about to roll into our office. Do you mind just wrapping it all up for us and presenting the recommendation to them? For sure. Can I get 20 seconds? Sure. Okay. 
So I would recommend to the CEO of the PE firm, um, who is a big fan of the Fighting Phillies, that he gets to purchase them. Uh, and I recommend that he does. Uh, so currently the team, uh, it has approached us to purchase at $1.1 billion. Doing evaluation, I found that they're worth $1.4 billion. Um, and we're able to see this um, value based on some operational efficiencies that we can and synergies that we can apply, uh, like dynamic ticket pricing, um, renegotiating sponsorship deals, media deals, and then revamping concessions, and also decreasing the current SNA cost of the Phillies uh, to the league benchmark. And by doing this, we will see that valuation of $1.4 billion. Currently, as it stands, uh, the valuation of the company is below $1.1 billion at $1 billion. So, you know, what we can offer by purchasing the team is going to make it uh, valued higher and is worth the investment for us, um, especially as a big fan. But there are a couple risks here, and that would be that the dynamic ticket pricing doesn't work out the way that we expect. Um, that has the largest contributor to increasing our revenues. And um, if that doesn't work out um, quite as well, then we could see that we don't see the revenues that we expected. And I'd also be uh, worried that we get outbid. You know, I'm not the only one that can do this calculation and the valuation of $1.4 billion, you know, only being offered to buy at $1.1 billion. There could be other interested competitors here. So I'd also be interested in also, um, you know, doing the next steps of studying this due diligence quite quickly and purchasing as quickly as possible. Um, but also, uh, I'd look at, you know, what kind of year return are we looking to see? Because you are a big fan, uh, but if our other portfolio uh, companies, you know, are making returns in four to five years, um, then why would we accept this company if it's going to be on a, a longer time span to get us a return? Thank you. Yeah, how, how, how do you think uh, you did before I start? Um, I don't have too many issues with my performance. I... Uh, Appreciate you giving me the five ninths. Uh, my, my fractions maybe aren't uh, absolutely amazing, but uh, I felt good about it. Um, yeah, I thought we'd go on maybe a little bit longer, but I, I'm happy with where, where I ended up. Yeah, no, I think you did a, a fantastic job, right? Like, uh, I, I think this is as close to a, a great case as as one one can have uh, in an interview. So I, I, I think you did a bang up job overall but let me start from the top and again this is at this point i'm just nitpicking to take it from that great to the absolute perfect piece which i which at least i never had a perfect case in any of my interviews i'm not sure if you did i don't think anyone has yeah <laughs> you can always be better so i appreciate all the advice you've got yeah uh, so again starting from the top i thought your prompt and your recap was great uh, your clarifying questions, I loved how you kept emphasizing on the goal and the ROI, right? Because you were trying to solve for something and you wanted that exact figure. Uh, and when I didn't give it to you, you took it in your stride, be like, okay, fine, that I've asked twice, let me move on from this, right? There is in a figure, profitability is like the only thing. Your questions were on point, right? Like, uh, trying to value what the other purchases are, your synergies. I, I, I liked it. I liked it. I think for a private equity case, especially for this case, I think these were extremely strong questions and a great starting point for you. On your structure, I think the overall structure was, was brilliant. The way you delivered it was great. In terms of timing, I thought it was spot on. I would love to start with an answer first, though, right? Like, given how hypothesis driven both Bain and BCG are and like EYP and other consulting firms, I would love to start with that. So, how, what I would have done in this case is uh, I would have said, like, after coming back, after taking some time, I'm, I would have probably gone like, you know, uh, my initial hypothesis here or my initial answer here would be that we go ahead and buy Fighting Phillies given, you know, you're an avid fan. But obviously, in order to validate that hypothesis, I'd love to look at three broad areas or four broad areas. In your case, three broad areas. 
I, th- I, th- I thought the the buckets made sense. You went about it right, right? Like you went horizontal and then vertical within uh, each bucket. You were messy within each bucket as well and across. So I I I, I enjoyed that. Uh, I love the drive, right? Like a lot of people forget that once you're done with the structure, the case isn't over, right? Like the case has just begun and the structure is just your roadmap. So I love that you drove to profitability and that's your first bucket, right? Like, so that's first bucket, which is the most important one. You drove to that being, do you have data for that? And, you know, that's great that I had, but even if I did, I, w- I liked the way that you were driving. Uh, moving on to the prof- the valuation uh, calculation, I thought you did a bang up. Your math was on point. It was structured. I think one thing I'd love to see here, though, is before you get into the math, right, I'd love for you to just chat with me and tell me your strategy as to what you're going to do with the numbers. Uh, so I love that you went for the low hanging fruits first, right? Like calculating everything apart from tickets. Uh, cause those were just straightforward numbers. You had a number set aside and you were confident with those numbers, uh, gives you confidence as well that yeah, I've done the math right for 90% of it. It's only one piece that's left. So I think I thought that was a great strategy, but even within the tickets, I would have loved to see like a layout first approve that layout because at the end of the day, it's a conversation, right? Like it's, uh, that is something, I think that engagement was slightly missing on the revenue piece, but like you did a bang up job with your math. I thought it was, it was, it was structured. It was spot on, uh, without, without any errors. And that five, nine didn't throw you off, right? Like you took it in your stride, be like, it's 55.56. Let me, let me see what's the closest fraction I can get to. And, uh, and in 90% of the cases, Interviews will just give it to you if they see your, you know, you're you're trying, you're trying to get to the number and making life uh, easier. And that's usually a hint as well, right? Like it's a 55.56. It's usually a hint that this is going to be a fraction which will make my math easier. (laughs) Yeah. So I I thought uh, you did a great job on that. Uh, You took the guidance when I gave you to calculate the valuation because ultimately for any PE firm, right? You were going at, you were going at it with the right way with the break-even stage. Uh, But you took the guidance and said, okay, let me, let me calculate uh, the valuation. So I, I uh, love the overall piece on that. Moving on to the exhibit, I think I'd love for you to take s- maybe 10 seconds, 15 seconds when you see the exhibit at first, uh, digest the data and then come out swinging and then come out with that, you know, that insight or whatever the so what of the exhibit is. I think if you would have done that, um, you would have been a lot more structured within the exhibit itself, right? Like it, it came across that you were explaining the exhibit to me as you were going through it. Uh, that's that's the understanding I got. I don't know, did, what was that the case that you felt as well? Um, yeah, I would say that like in terms of like calculations and also just like seeing those different individual items and like you definitely pointed out to me that it contributed to total revenue and not uh, specific revenue for those line items. So that was like something that I had uh, missed. It was like good to pick up on from you. Um, I definitely knew where I was going with like the cost side and the decrease in, in SNA, but in terms of the revenue side, I mean, wasn't fully sure that I was going to get to a calculation on total revenue um, and, until I started talking about it, just because I, I didn't know if we were going to maybe go a bit more in depth on um, any of those or whether we were only going to do one or two. So I wasn't, you know, 
going to recommend off the bat, let's do all four, because I also didn't know if we had the capability to do all four, like that kind of thing. But uh, I definitely think it would be helpful if I came in swinging in a way with knowing, like, I would like to do all four, um, and I can lead us into a calculation on the you know additional revenue contribution. That would be very strong for sure. Yeah, usually how I look at it, like how I tackle an exhibit is... Uh, I'll take about 10-15 seconds depending on the difficulty of an exhibit. Obviously, if it's just like numbers written down on a table, I might not take that much time. Uh, but if it's if it's like a two by two where you know you have a, a two-sided chart where you have graphs as well as some other nuance going on, I'd take some time. How I come out is my I give out, I give like a one-line summary. So in this case, it could just have been uh, this is ways in which we can improve our valuation, both on the revenues and the cost side. On the revenues, I can see that dynamic pricing will contribute most to our revenues. Uh, and leading down to a few other options. And on the cost side, I can see that we're spending a little over uh, the league benchmark and advertising piece. I'd love to understand if we can bring it down to our, the league benchmark or even lower, as you were saying. I think while you were speaking, I love the second level insights that you were giving. Uh, but I would have loved to love, I would have loved it if this was slightly more structured. Again, your math, um, in general, the calculation was really quick. I think it could have been overall faster given these are percentages, right? And uh, the right. number that we're multiplying it to is the same. So we could have added all the percentages up and multiplied it just at once. So if you just right. add all of that, that's 10% multiply, that's 30 million, you're out of the way. I, I w definitely could have done that. I think that one thing I was also interested in seeing is like if there were like information that I didn't have, like implementing each of these different things. Like what if there was a 25 million startup cost implementing a dynamic ticket pricing? Like we have to, you know, purchase an app or something like that. So I definitely think I was interested in looking at each of these segments as well and their revenue contributions because I wasn't sure whether I was going to recommend that we do all four because one of those four might have had a really high uh, investment cost to institute. I, I get, I get what you're saying. I think, I think that's a brilliant, uh, call out i think th that'll be the place where you just ask right uh, the interview up front right like just ask them get that out of the way if you have an assumption state it out makes um, sense. it just makes life easier for the interview because I, I, right. i've been in your shoes as well and i've been like oh i because you've done so many cases right like you and in another world or another life that this is very much a possibility where you're like, okay, these are my four options, but then they have costs associated with it. So you don't know which one will actually be. So that's a great point. But I would just assume, I, I would just uh, clarify right. uh, with the interviewer. I think Perfect. in your rec, uh, yeah, uh, but otherwise I, th I, I thought uh, overall it was, it was fine. I think these are just things you could have done faster slash better. Uh, I think on the recommendation piece, uh, you started strong. But in the middle, I think I got lost at some point between your risks and your next steps. Um, so we spoke about dynamic ticket pricing. We spoke about uh, the returns. Like, if is this is this comparable to that? Uh, I didn't particularly hear a mitigation for the risks that you were suggesting, as well right. as what a concrete next steps should be. So I think like a, a great recommendation is yeah, simple, right? Like how you started. Yes, we purchase right. it because that's the original question. Why should we purchase it? Which is because it's above the valuation that they are asking for. Right. Uh, given operational efficiencies. Great. That's out of the way. What are the risks involved with it? So that's, you know, you say, okay, dynamic ticket pricing. We might not be able to achieve the same figures that we are estimating. How do we mitigate that, that risk? In this case could be, let's run a pilot program for a few games. Let's see how that works. Does it match up to our estimates um so that becomes a mitigation and a next step could be let, let us run that pilot program, pilot program for, for right. you 
at simple credit. I think yeah. I dropped the risk on the dynamic uh, ticket pricing. I think I mentioned that like if we got outbid and that, that my next step was that we should bid quickly and do this due diligence quickly. So, but I did drop the uh, dynamic ticket pricing one. I think partly was because I wasn't sure whether that analysis had been done by us or by someone else. And I could have asked, but it wasn't a time to ask in a recommendation. If we had done it, I'm going to assume we did it right as a firm. But if someone else did it, then I'd recommend that we should do it again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's fair. That's fair. But um Usually I'd stick to like one or two risks, but I'd give mitigations for all. Agreed. Yeah. But I, I think overall you did a bank up job, man. Like um this, this would have this would have flown by for sure. Yeah, thank you so much. It was it was great to do it with you, Pranav. Um yeah, just critiquing myself a little bit more too at the end. I think that, you know, one thing I could have done maybe even more so if it was more complex, like asked you about other or, or mentioned other valuation strategies. I assumed that it was gonna be a multiple that we were gonna use, but you know, it could have been like um you know, doing, it wasn't, it wouldn't be a DCF, but I could have looked at a different way as well, like a precedent transaction. You're just looking at, um, you know, the last three leagues to sell, you know, based on their, you know, fill rate of, of seats or, or things like that. Um, but that, that was just a small thing. Overall, I felt like, uh, you know, it was a good one. Enjoyed doing it. And, um, yeah, I guess my advice for anyone else who's, who's doing cases right now would be to like recognize some of those questions you gave as either quantitative or like qualitative. So definitely the exhibit was a quantitative question. Um, and then like, you know, asking, I think about, you know, the ways, the different costs, um, like the rev different revenues. I think I'd already mentioned them all, but that was probably a qualitative question too on like, um, what different ways are, are we making revenues? And then also you asked about the like synergies, I believe. So, you know, I don't think I sorted all that much, um, like other than I definitely sorted out like the, um, the revenues or, or sorry, I think I sorted out the revenues into like, uh, no, for sure. Like on the revenue side, you gave me all the revenues that are already there. Otherwise that's a question. Usually, usually people stop at tickets and beverages, like tickets and concessions. Uh, which is which tells me that you have a grasp of the problem here itself, and then you've contextualized it. So I think your your structure was really strong. Yeah, I definitely think if you can push forward as the interviewee, it's always helpful to do so. If I if I take the question out of your mouth, then that I think that's a a, a good point for you um, as the interviewer. Um, I mean, as the interviewee, uh, one could say. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think also that this case had a little bit less clarifying information than I think I normally get out of cases. I don't know if maybe I just didn't ask the right questions, but um, you definitely need to be prepared for that if you were hoping for information you didn't get. Like, so I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, I kind of asked twice to see if probing around if there was going to be a rate of return. But I was also curious, you know, if there was like, you know, a timeline, you know, um, and didn't get that either. That ultimately didn't come up, which, uh, you know, you, you think you might know how a PA, PE case runs and that those are like integral parts of it. In this case, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely right. I think it's because I, looking back at uh, my experience in o over the winter, every time I asked for a goal, I never got a number. I never right. got a number. It, it was always uh, if it's about profitability, they'd be like, "The more is better." Uh, so just just be prepared for not getting a number and not having that thing in your head. Be like, "Okay, I have to reach two hundred million. Or I have to reach twenty percent." Uh, right. It it just like flow. If you. If you work better with a number, write the number on top of your page and just assume that's the number and go with it. If you can, if you're okay with abstract, that's fine as well. And I will say that uh, to you know the people listening as well, like the more cases you do, the more familiar they get. So I haven't done that, done this case before, um, but I've done ones that are very similar to it. So like, I'm not a sports fan. I've maybe seen, you know, five or so baseball games in my life. So, you know, being able to say things like concession, sponsorship, merch, 
um, you know, tickets and advertising, like, you know, that doesn't come from just like your own knowledge. Half the time it's, you know, case knowledge because you've done enough cases to see that those kind of line items come up. Um, and you definitely want to bring in your personal knowledge whenever you can, but the more cases you do, the more familiar you get with what kinds of costs and revenues are going to come up. Um, and then that really can help you push forward on what the, you know, key things are. Like, you know, if you didn't mention that, uh, um, the ticket sales and beyond, beyond ticket sales and concessions, you know, the, a couple of the major things to renegotiate that came up in the graph were, you know, this, the sponsorship, the media. Um, so, you know, if you can bring those up and, you know, really, you know, do enough cases to get all those kind of like items just in your brain and be able to whip them out, then it's going to really help you to focus on the important things and be able to get those second level insights as opposed to like asking, you know, what's the difference between sponsorship and an advertisement or, um, you know, kind of not being sure about the different items. No, 100%. I think that's, that's an integral part of it, especially for anything that's B2C. Uh, the interviewers will just expect you to be a little bit familiar, right? Be it airlines, be it retail, be it sports, uh, movie theaters, anything. Anything that's B2C, I think the the expectation here becomes that you'll be it'll be slightly more tailored and at least in, if it's a profitability piece or gr- revenue growth, it'll be more than just price into quantity or more than just fixed into variable. Now, do you have any information on whether this was more of a first round case or a second round case? Because it felt to me like it was more of a first round, but I could see someone getting this in a second round, especially maybe if they're flying as an intern or something like that. This this is a second round. It's it's, oh, been okay. it's a second round, but again, I, I, I'd, I'd go with it, but it'd be like a first round or a second round. But right. with either Bain or BCG more, the interviewee-led pieces, uh, but yeah, I think, I think it'll be either a round one or a round two. It's, it's definitely slightly easier for a round two, but maybe slightly harder for a round one. Right, uh, that's what I would say. Yeah, you, would have, you did a bang up job. Yeah, you blew through this case. It, 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 when someone sees you doing this, I don't think they'll, they'll think this case is hard. Yeah, so may, maybe that was just me. I don't know. I definitely came in here today a little worried, like, oh, what if I trip up? And like, you know, wanting to do a good job of like modeling for people, like, you know, the kind of skills that they can like, you know, learn and implement, but also like not trying to be cocky about it. I definitely still can get tripped up on a case. Um, you know, I haven't done that in the last few, but there are some just like really weird cases, like, you know, and especially financial services. I saw, you know, I looked you up on LinkedIn and I saw you had done some stuff in the industry. So, you know, you could have given me something with a hedge fund that might've, you know, had a couple terms out of left field for me or something like that. You know, I am a finance major, but I won't claim to know all that much uh, about some esoteric parts of finance. And so, you know, if you had asked me to calculate a rate of return, I think that is rarer in a case. I've only maybe seen it once out of maybe like 50 cases or so I've looked at, but it could have happened. Or like, you could have asked me to do like a, a net present value of future, you know, you know, cash flows or, or, and, and that could have made the case a little bit trickier. That's the other thing I would say too, is that you can do a lot of cases that are similar. Ultimately, they're all different. Like you're not going to get a case uh, from a partner in a, a second round that looks exactly like something you've seen before. But 50% of it is probably going to share the exact same structure as another case you've done if you've done enough. Yeah, but I think on that, right? Like if you get something that you haven't done before, don't be scared and work with your interviewer. Uh, I think that really helps. It's, it's, it's no one, even on the job, you there's no way you can know everything, right? Like if you have that mindset where you know everything, you're not a good team player. You're not a good uh, fit for any any firm. So it has to be open-minded. It has to be an open mind. It has to be, okay, I will work with the person who knows best and let me see where they take me. I think uh, 
But I think and you should be excited video. that you're getting something different. I feel like I wouldn't want to walk into an interview and get a case exactly like one I've seen before. It takes maybe a little bit of the fun out of it. And the partners definitely want to see some excitement from you and eagerness to get to the, not just to get to the answer, but the process, the journey along the way. If it's enjoyable for you, I think they really enjoy seeing that. 100%. 100%. Taylor, well, thank you, you so much. Bang up job. Thank you so much. for. We hope you enjoyed this Bain style case interview as much as we did. What a fantastic performance by Taylor and a great job leading the case by Pranav. If you'd like to work with Pranav through one-on-one case or behavioral interview coaching, view his availability and book today at the link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to Strategy Simplified.